What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sequence. I'm your host, Trevor Plouffe. And today we have another very special guest, two-time All-Star, the pride of Azusa Pacific University, Oakland legend, Stephen Vogt. Steve, what's up, man? Trevor, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate you coming on today. It's a... Uh, this is a grinder day, a dad day. We're both here. We're recording very early because we got stuff to do. And that's just kind of part of it. But I, again, I appreciate you coming on. We, uh, we talked about what kind of at-bats we wanted to do today. Uh, we have something special lined up for the second IB. But this first one is a big at-bat in your career. And uh, I kind of want you to explain why. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. This is, I appreciated our time. We got to play together and uh, obviously admired you from afar when you're in Minnesota. But, um, you know, this at bat right here from 2013 in the playoffs, it just, um, it means a lot. And uh, a lot of stuff went into this. You know, we um, mentioned Grinder, and, you know, I was a late bloomer, got to the big leagues late. I was 28. And this was my second year. Well, really, I had four months of time at this point mm -hmm. over two years. So, Getting into there and um, getting to catch all through AAA that year for Oakland, getting traded over from from Tampa, and uh, just given an opportunity to play in the playoffs. And you know, I punched out three times leading up to this moment. And uh, Sonny Gray and I had worked together all year at AAA, and then you know he came up. I came up shortly after, and we worked together a lot in the big leagues as well. But uh, just getting to to go against Verlander and the Tigers in this moment. But um, you know, like I said. We had it was zero zero. Sonny had uh, pitched right there with Verlander the whole game, and now we get to the ninth inning. We had the bases loaded, nobody out, and I have an opportunity to help our team win the game. And um, it's what we all dream of: is a chance to have a walk off hit in the playoffs. And yes. uh, I, I played that scenario over and over in my head as a little kid in the front yard, uh, in my room, whatever whatever I was daydreaming baseball. This was the moment you dream of, and. Uh, for me, you know, getting an opportunity, I'd never faced Porcello before. And so mm -hmm. base loaded, nobody out. You know, they bring him in to get a ground ball, to get the double play. Uh, so for me, it was, I need to see his first sinker. I can't just go up there hacking because I don't know how much it actually breaks. No matter how much video I watch, yes. for me, I, I want to see it with my own eyes because my own eyes have seen way more um, in the box than they have watching video. And I trust that a lot more. So I, I went up there knowing I was going to take the first pitch because I wanted to see how much it moved. And, um, you know, obviously it worked out in my favor. But coming into that at bat after punching out three times, I was I was confident. I was as much as funny as it sounds, I was confident. I was, um, you know, I had a great at bat against Verlander the bat before, punched out on 10 pitches and um, would fight, fight, fight. And obviously he, he won. And like he's done over yes. and over against me and everyone. So, uh but yeah, this this at bat was truly special for me in a lot of ways. I, I so I didn't watch this full at bat, but I did go back and watch that at bat because you said that Verlander bat. You said it was one of your best bats of your career, even though you struck out. And it it was an incredible at bat. And Verlander, this is like, I mean, I, I don't want to say peak Verlander because I feel like he's still really good. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like, I'll say he's just, he was throwing cheese here. Like he had everything working for him here. And yeah, he's he, a great at bat. No, I, I appreciate it. And he, um, you know, it's funny that I always tell people one of the best at bats in my career was a punch out, but <laughs> you know, it, that's how good these pitchers are, as you know, is, um, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a punch out, you know, I even look at it, you know, that took his pitch count up over 115. Um, wow. You know, who knows, he might, he may have come back out. Obviously you look back, we didn't score in the eighth anyway, but at the moment it was like, all right, well, obviously I would have preferred to not punch out, but he's done. 
now we can get to the bullpen and actually have a chance to win a game. And um, but he, you know, I've faced him so many times over the years, and he, he's so good. He's just as good now as he was, um, you know, ten years ago. It's it's uh, it's remarkable. Crazy. It's remarkable what he's doing. Like I re- I remember um, you know one year in Detroit. I thought I thought he was done. You know, he kind of he kind of had lost his velo, and just didn't seem like he had like the the stuff. And yeah. then you know, flash forward five years later, he's still doing it he, he at is. an elite level. Yeah, I mean, look at it, all through the playoffs. You know, the last couple of years, I mean, he's still pitching as good as he has, yeah. you know, ever. So uh, he's a he's a special talent, and um, you know, just like we have a lot of them, but it, it's really special to watch someone put together that consistent of a career. Yeah, because as as we know, the consistency part that's that's the tough part. So okay. enough about him. This is about yeah. you. Okay. Okay. I just like my boy Steve. I like talking about good ball. (laughs) I do too. Um, Is this this is probably pre? I believe in Stephen Vogt. I'd have to imagine because this is pretty early on in your Oakland career. And if people don't know what I'm talking about, hopefully uh, Kyle, you can clip in some of that chant here. Um, It's incredible when you come when you came up to play in Oakland. The, what do you call? What are they? What are they called out there? It's not the bleacher creatures. But. I I don't know. I, I don't think they have a, a name for themselves. But the the right the right field bleacher fans and the left field bleacher fans. I mean, those are some of the best fans, most dedicated in baseball. I mean, they there are. were there were nights at the Coliseum where we had you know ten thousand people, but the entire sections in left field and right field were full every night. It didn't Always. matter. Didn't matter what the record was. Didn't matter what was going on. They were going to be there. They were going to be yelling, chanting, and. You know when they when they started the I believe in Stephen Vogt chant in 2014. That you know obviously that was one of the most special times of my career because I loved Oakland. I had made my day. You know I'd become a ball player there. You know I made my debut in Tampa, but you know never got a hit as a Ray. And so um, Oakland fans just embraced me, and I think um, you know that whole chant that I believe in Stephen Vogt it became this such a deep meaning more than just fans cheering for you. You know, it was one of those things yeah. just it, and it stuck with me now. And here we are in, you know, 2020 and during spring training, I heard people yell, yell, and I believe from I love it. The, the, the random ballparks that we go play in. So it's, uh, they started it and it's, it's been falling around ever since. And I absolutely love it. I mean, what a confidence booster. To go yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the I, loudest ovation I got in Oakland was when uh, they, released me and brought Chapman up. They were like, thank this is the best. Way to go, Trev. You did something for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I love the self-deprecation, Trev, but you, you had some pretty uh, good... No, we had fun there. I love playing in Oakland. I love the fans there. Um, I wish I had played better, to be honest with you. I mean, that was... Uh, they gave me a great chance. I had a great time there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it, I'll say this, like, and, and I know what you're saying, because Oakland... Oakland's a special place. It really is. And um, it's... It's a place that doesn't get enough credit because of the because of the stadium because of you know it is it's one of the oldest stadiums that we have and but the fans are great uh, the coaching staff is phenomenal I mean it doesn't get any better than Bob Melvin and um, you know it is it's it's a great place to play it is all right I want to go into one more thing before we get into the at bat you're kind of hitting setup your swing where where is this all coming from is this just 
what you've done your entire life or was there a moment or a coach who kind of helped you and got you ready to become the hitter that you are now? I mean, you've had a great career offensively as a big leaguer. Was this always something that you've done or did you have to make a big adjustment to be able to have success at the big league level? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll try and make this as brief as I can. Um, but there's been two people and two major changes that I've made over my career. Um, I guess three now, but that, that's a new story. Um, we'll talk about it at this point in 2013. But um, in, so in college, I, I was, I went to NAI Azusa Pacific, the Azusa Pacific. The. You, know, um, you know, and I was a three-time All-American through my junior year and, and didn't get drafted. I got hurt during my junior year um, and wasn't ready for the draft. So my senior year, and the time I went back, I was a career four. 15, 420 hitter in college. And, but I hadn't hit a ton of home runs. And my, my head coach, Paul Sfagdas, who's still at, at, at Azusa, um, sat me down when I came back in the fall. And he said, hey, do you want to get drafted? And I said, yeah. He said, then you need to change your swing. And I, <laughs> I laughed at him. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm hitting 420 in yeah. career. You know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you're not going to hit at the pro level if you keep hitting the way you do. Uh, and, and the only thing I kind of hit off my front side in, in a slight way similar to Ichiro where I kind of glided into the ball okay. where the only thing I could pull with any authority was a hanger. I was always like a – drove the ball the other way, doubles, but not too many home runs. And, you know, that was his thing was he said, if you want to hit at the next level, we got to hit for more power. we got to stay behind the ball. And he made me go no stride for the entire fall. And so you're talking about a guy that – you know, I hit 500 in high school, 400 in college, and now I went two for 76 in the fall. Oh my goodness. And I'm trying to figure out what the heck, you know, but I'm trusting this and I trust him. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of questions. There was a lot of doubt. I'm like, what the heck are you doing to me? Um, you know, and then so I, I stuck with it and I know strided. And then a week before our first game in the spring, he goes, hey, go ahead and stride now. Mm. What What are we talking about, coach? Like, you just had me no stride. The whole like I was I was legitimately mad at him. Like you just had me do something for five months that I got no results in, and then all of a sudden we get to our first game and I had two homers and two doubles, and I learned how to hit behind the ball. And he had to make me go three steps back so that sure. I could go way forward. And uh, I ended up having an unbelievable senior year, uh, video game like it was incredible, and that got me drafted and to the Tampa Bay Rays in the 12th round. And so that, that propelled me to go. Um, so that was the number one thing was learning how to hit behind the ball. So I, I still, to this day, I no stride my first round of BP just to remind myself to stay behind the ball. Um, Interesting. And then, um, you know, the next one was in 2010 to 2011. And uh, Jared Sandberg, who's now the bench coach for the Mariners, he, we live in the same town in the offseason, Olympia, Washington, and I hit with him every winter. And, he looked at me and said, you're going to be 26 and you're going to double A for the first time. That means either you're going to have a good year and go forward or you're going to get released. He's like, I'm just going to tell you how it is. So you got to have a career year. And he said, I said, okay, what do I need to do? He goes, you need to stop trying to get a hit every time and start hitting some homers. We got to pull the ball with authority. I still was just trying to use the whole field, spraying, doing this and I'd take my single to, to left instead of trying to drive the ball into right center. And he said, if you want to go to the big leagues, you got to start hitting some homers. That's, and 
that's early on to have that kind of thought process. You know, you're, you're talking 2010, 2011 here. This whole three true outcome swing, yeah, is is fairly new. So this guy, uh, what was his? I'm sorry, what was his name again? Jared, Jared Sandberg. Yeah, he's Jared the, Sandberg was ahead of his time right there with that advice. Yeah, and and I and I, you know, obviously we, I tell him this all the time. Probably he's sick of hearing it, but I'm like, he changed my career because. He, he didn't necessarily say, hey, try and hit homers, but it was like, you need to pull the ball with authority. You know what I mean? And so for me, it was, we learned on, we, we worked on get the, get the head out and take a, take a shot. You don't have to, you know, and I'm good enough hitter to where I'm still going to be able to put the ball in play. I'm yes. not just going and miss or, um, you know, and I watched my walk number drop drastically. I was always pretty much a one-to-one walk to strikeout guy every year uh, up until that point and then we uh we went way ahead in the punch out um but it was worth it it really was and i ended up hitting 18 homers that year um had 100 ribbies in the minor leagues and nice. 11 and um got put on the roster that fall and made my debut the next year so that was really where it went and so it wasn't necessarily like a swing change it was a mindset change it was move my contact points out front a little more be okay with swinging and missing. And I, I think that's one thing I saw was in that year, 2011, in the minor leagues between AA and AAA, I did. I had I hit 300 or 298 with, uh, I think, 18 homers and 105 ribbies. But I swung and missed 800 times. Oh, my God. So, but for me, as a guy who never swung and missed, I got only punched out 80 times. So it wasn't like I was – I wasn't punching out. I was just taking shots early in the count. I was okay with swinging through the changeup in a 1-0 count because I was committed to the fastball. Yes. I think there, there's this big um, – just because you swing and miss doesn't mean you're going to punch out. You know, to you take your shots and then when you get to two strikes, you can still shorten up and put the ball in play when you need to. And I think that's something that, um, you, you know, you need to know when to take your shot and you need to know when to shorten up and try and put the ball in play. And that's something that we need to teach the young hitters – that it's okay to just go for it, but there's also a time and place that you need to shorten up and put the ball in play. Yeah, that's kind of why when I think about you and guys that make those adjustments, I think power always needs to come last. If you're a young kid and you're like, all I want to do is hit homers, you're probably not going to end up being a pretty a good hitter. Like you spent your entire life having you know good contact skills, putting the ball in play, learning to hit the other way. And then after you have all those clubs in your bag, then you bring the driver out. You learned how to pull the ball right, you said. You learned how to hit for power later in your career. And I think that's kind of the right way to go about it. You know, and we see a lot of young kids nowadays try to go power, power, power. And that is going to get you into trouble if you don't have, like you said, those other swings in your bag where you can shorten up. You know, times in the game dictate that. And I think that you are a great example of kind of the right progression in becoming a big league hitter. Well, no, thank you. And, and I think too, as you know, hitting for power, you know, I, just, I used to give a lot of lessons before I had kids and mm-hmm. to, to go dedicate to that. And um, for me, you know, everybody always asks, how do I hit for more power? And really, I didn't have an answer. I didn't. I was like, you get in the weight room, you do this. And really what I've come to find out is, Hitting for power is understanding what pitches you can go after. Yeah. You know, I, I think for me, it's you're not going to go swing at the fastball down and away and try and hit that ball out of the yard. You're, you're going to pop it up. You're going to hit off the end. There's there's no chance. 
but it's when you recognize those pitches that are up middle, you know, your the pitches you can drive, then you go after it. And I think that's something for me that really clicked in. It's not necessarily how I'm swinging or I need to have a power swing. No, it's pitch recognition and understanding when to go get it versus when to, you know, take a shot at, you know, hitting the ball the other way. It, it's pitch recognition and understanding you and your swing. That's when power comes. And I think that's why it is a lot of times the last tool to develop because mm -hmm. for those of us that aren't named Yelich, you know, we don't have just that kind of pop and, um, you know, we have to, we have to learn all, along the way. But even him, like he, he developed I, his power late too. I wanted to just give him a little jab. because He's the best, but he has every swing in the bag. Yes, he's incredible. It's that was probably outside of. Well, I probably had more fun watching him in eighteen all year with Milwaukee. I was hurt and out for the year, but so I got to just like sit back and watch Dude. one of one of the greatest seasons ever put together in our game, and I got the best seat in the house and got to talk to him after some of the abs and stuff. And that's what a that's stud. Next level stuff. <laughs> all right, a lot of kids watch this. So kids, listen to Stephenville. He knows what he's talking about. We're going to get into the, the highlight now. We kind of already prepped it. It's ALDS 2013. Steve struck out three times before this at bat. And you come up in the bottom of the ninth. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Let's go. Yes, sir. Young Rick Purcello on the mound. Mm -hmm. Guy's a stud. Yeah. And you already told us you're taking first pitch. Yeah, I'm going to take the first pitch because I want to see how this sinker is going to move. I know he's throwing me sinkers. Um, and so I'm going to watch this one in all the way. I want to see the movement, release point, and right there. You know, If I swing at that pitch, I pop it up 100%. You know, he, I got to go back right there. That's a nasty pitch. I mean, he throws me it's like a front, front, front hip sinker up in the zone. <laughs> I mean, what? You're popping that up. If you're, if you're over-aggressive right there, you're popping that up and you're – you just squandered an opportunity for your team. And, you know, obviously you've dreamed of this moment your whole life. So now I'm looking for it to start, you know, middle in. I want it to be middle in so that it's going to run away. I, I don't want to okay. fight. Don't want to fight with them inside. That's too hard to, to get the, to get inside of You're I'm more than likely going to roll it over. I want to make sure it's going to be out away from me. And I'm looking for this to start mid thigh or higher. I don't want, I don't want to swing at anything that starts below mid thigh because it's going to drop below the zone. Um, even though I'm a lefty and I love the ball down, mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. I want to make sure that I get this ball up a little bit, but more importantly, away from me. I don't want it to start close to me. So you're setting your sights middle in, knowing that that ball is going to run back out over the plate, outer third. I'm assuming the infield is in. I can't. I think I can yeah. see now. Um, yeah. And so your mindset here is up the middle, fly ball. I'm looking. I'm looking to drive something right back up the middle. They're they're in, but they're pretty um, standard as far as shift goes. Um, so I've got the middle of the field. I know if I can hit the ball up the middle of the field right here in the air, not necessarily trying to elevate, but I'm trying to get under the ball a little bit, um, nice. and I just drive it right back. I always think I want to drive the ball up the pitcher's right ear. That's what I like to think about. So the the opposite side ear of the pitcher. So uh -huh. if you're right. Righty, I try to drive the ball off the left ear of the pitcher, lefty, right ear of the pitcher. That's what I like to think about So, because um, that's going to keep me on the ball a hair longer than if I'm trying to pull it. Okay. And if you – this shot right here is incredible. Yeah, it is. This is this, – People I'm say getting, the bright lights. Look at this. 
I'm getting all the feels. <laughs> we had fifty thousand A's fans going nuts right now. It, it was it was oh my gosh. so loud. I, I'm getting chills just watching this game. I love it. Let's go to pitch two. Right here, O one. He just came at you with the front hip uh, mm -hmm. two seamer. So, yep. what do you? I mean, what do you got here? You think I mean, it's secondary pitch or going back to that? I mean, honestly, right here, I'm staying sinker the whole time. I, you know, I, our one of our former teammates, Josh Fagley. You know, I played with uh -huh. him after. Bear. As he always used to say, never leave the heater. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, uh, it, it's it's funny the way he would uh, he would say it, but he's right. You know, and especially in this situation, he's not going to throw me a breaking ball here. The only thing that can happen with a breaking ball right here is I get to I get to fly out, and that's what I want to do. So, especially as a catcher, I've learned over the years, um, you know, a breaking ball is you has to be for chase. You cannot throw a breaking ball in the zone to a major league hitter in a runner on third, less than two situation because we're all good enough where we're going to elevate that ball into the outfield, okay. and that gives us a chance. All right, so you're on the heater. Obviously, Rick's like, let's get a ground ball here. Yeah, get the guy at home. Take my chances on double play next next batter. So, yeah, so yeah, so I'm look, looking out over right here. Shot's amazing. That's beautiful, dude. All right, oh one. DOC. So yeah, yeah, right. That's a four seamer. No, I, I mean, I think I think it's a sinker, but I think he he started it too far in, right? So if he he kind of yanked it a he little yanked bit. Yanked it, okay. Remember, I remember that feel. You know, I can obviously go right back in the box, and I remember seeing him, you know, open up a little early. And then he yanked it in there. So it was kind of an easy take, to be honest. Um, hold, on, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. You're saying you're hitting. And because you're a catcher, uh -huh. you saw his shoulder kind of fly a little early and you knew he was going to yank the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's my job as a catcher is to read pitchers' body language. And I think, you know, I always wonder why we can't hit better as catchers. But um, – you know, for me, a lot of hitting and pitch recognition is reading body language. And you can see if a pitcher pulls off just a hair early. So, you know, if they get out front, they're going to yank it. If they're a little late, that's the one that we're going to absolutely. And you know those things, too. It's just subconscious. And you so, yeah, you're, you took that so easily and comfortably. Mm -hmm. Pitchers see that. Catchers see that, too. So now they're like, okay, he's seeing this, this sinker. Mm-hmm. So now, what? so now, honestly, now this is the one pitch that I had a little bit in the back of my mind. I remember thinking, all right, because I because of that very reason. Okay, I just spit on that sinker that was pretty close, but it was like an easy spit. So maybe he's going to try a slider here. Like I said, I'd never faced him before, um, and I didn't watch video on him before this game. And we had no iPads in the dugout. I had not seen any video on Porcello, so I didn't even know what his breaking ball looked like. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the sinker, keep my same thing. I'm looking middle in and up, like mid-thigh, and let's see what happens. All right. Another great shot of the field. 1-1. One, one. Boat oh. into left field. A base hit. Cespedes will there score. It it's exactly what you were trying to do right there. You <clears throat> said you're looking for a ball that starts middle in. Goes back out over the plate. You're looking to drive it that way up the middle, and let's go back and watch I mean, it again. And that's and that's the thing too is like, there's so few moments. So he set up away. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but he set up away there. Mm -hmm. So he, tried, he really wants that ground ball. Yeah, trying to get the ground ball, trying to get me to reach, and he yanked it again a little bit, right? 
yanked it, um, but yanked it in a good spot, middle in. And, you know, very rarely do we actually get the pitch we're looking for and get to put the swing on it that we want. But, you know, right there, I think I go back to, you know, I could be looking to hit a homer there. I could be looking to drive the ball pull side in the air, but that you're out in those situations when you try to do that. You have to be able to know what the situation is and, and go get it done for in that moment, right? Like who didn't want to hit a walk-off grand slam right there or hit a ball in the gap, but that was just as efficient. And obviously it was one of the best, if not the best hit of my career. And it just gives me chills. Remember I love it, dude. That's and, so you, you're, that's discipline, man. Mm-hmm. And those, in those high pressure situations to have the mindset, that's what sets you apart. Absolutely. And I, and I truly believe that because I was disciplined enough to take that first pitch, it set up the whole at bat. Sure. In my, it's okay to go down. Oh, one. It's okay. It's okay. He still have to throw two more strikes to get you out. And I Absolutely. think, you know, and I think we get lost in that. And, you know, I've, I've got, I've had plenty of coaches and uh, you take that first pitch strike. Oh. Yeah. You know, but I still got two more. I still have two more. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that was a great moment. I mean, look at these shots. I've watched, I've watched more YouTube videos of this, like from fans that they took from all perspectives of the ballpark. It, it's so, so cool. So cool. It's an awesome at bat, an awesome game, an awesome day in your life. And I appreciate you coming on to kind of share your insight there. A lot of good tidbits you shared with us. So, yeah, that's you're the man. It's fun, fun to reminisce and it's fun to talk baseball. And um, It is. You know, Obviously, it's not like I'm sitting here saying I'm perfect and I stay in my approach all the time. But when I do stay in my approach, I'm pretty good. <laughs> you're you're pretty good as an understatement. Two-time All-Star, Stephen Vogt. I love it, man. Um, so we're going to do a little something different this time. We just went over your bat, walk-off single, ALDS 2013. It was awesome. You shared a ton of insight in your hitting mentality. But we got a few requests for this, and we're going to go now from – behind the plate, that mentality, from a catcher's standpoint, because I really think that you guys have, obviously the best view in the game of pitchers, but also you have this learned and trained ability to see things that other people don't. In our last at bat, you talked about seeing Porcello's shoulder fly open and let you take an 0-1 fastball that sets you up for success. Why? Yeah. I mean, what what goes into that? Like, is it just repetition and seeing it? Is it knowing every single pitcher? How do you approach this kind of, um, I don't yeah. know, way you call a game? I think, well, I mean, this is so evolved and we don't have enough time to get into it. But a lot of it is experience and a lot of it is making mistakes and learning from your mistakes and not making those same ones again. Um, remembering sequences that don't work. Uh, remembering things that maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. It, I know what I'm trying to say, but to me now we have the analytical guys giving us great information. The pitching coaches are smart. The hitting, obviously the pitchers know what they want to do. And then we study, you know, I study a lot. And to me, if I, if I could tell young catchers something to really do is every time you play catch with someone, every time you catch a bullpen, pay attention to their body as they throw because you're going to start to see little things. You're going to start to see the guys who bring their arm down low. So they're going to have a tendency to push the ball guys that come up high. They're going to have a tendency to be late or yank. 
Um, just start to pay attention to the body language every time you're catching. And those are the things that are going to propel you forward because all of those little tendencies, I mean, I, a lot of times if there's a pitcher I've caught a lot, I could tell you before they even really start coming down the hill, whether or not they're going to be on time for their pitch. Um, and that's what it takes to read a ball, whether you need to block it or not. I mean, there's so many, there's no time for anything. So it's that's that repetition, but also you guys can start now, no matter how old you are, paying attention to pitchers' body language when they're throwing, and it's going to tell you a lot about what the pitch will do. Um, and in the same way, you know, uh, when I'm not playing, I'm locked. I'm locked into the game. I'm having conversations here, left and right. I'm talking to my teammates, and we could, as you know, Trev, we could be talking about anything from baseball to kids to cars to what you had for breakfast. I, we talk about everything during the game. But that doesn't mean I take my eyes off the action. I'm always watching because I want to see if a hitter's pulling off his front side, if he's late, because as a catcher, I'm one foul tip away from playing that day. And I always have to be ready to go in and call the game. I need to know what we've been doing. Um, and so I pay really close attention to every pitch. And that's also reading swings and, and knowing what hitters' tendencies are. So – it, there's never a time you can stop learning. You got to keep watching and keep learning this game. I, I love the I love catchers. It's 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 one of my favorite positions. I'll say probably shortstop, center field catcher. I love the guys up the middle of the diamond. Uh, one of the reasons I love the catching position is for what you just said. You guys are the biggest students of the game because you have to you still have to work on your offense. But a catcher's bread and butter is the way he handles a pitching staff. Yeah. Maybe it's changing a little bit now in the in the modern game, but if if pitchers don't like throwing to a guy, it's you're not going to stick around. So I one question before we kind of get into this: What do you think makes like what makes someone good to throw to? Like what makes someone a guy that pitchers want to throw to? I mean, you you kind of touched on it already. You have to have trust, and I know. There's been times in my career where I haven't been good enough and I know the pitchers didn't trust me as much as other times. And that breaks your heart more than anything. And what I mean by that is not knowing if you're confident in what you're calling and you're prepared for the game that you're going to call, they want to throw to you. They want to know that they can bounce their breaking ball and you're going to block it. They want to know that when, when it gets hairy out there, that you're going to stay calm and that you know where you're at. Like I said, I've never, I've not been perfect with this. I've never pretended to be perfect. Um, but that's something that I really feel over the last three to four years, I've really gotten better at. And that's, I've dedicated myself to that. And so for me, I always tell the pitchers this, I'm like, you're going to throw to catchers that are a thousand times better than me, but no one's going to, no one's going to love you more. <laughs> That's your job. Is that's such a that's such a Stephen Vogue quote right there. I but it's the it. truth. Like, it's there's so many guys that are better than me behind the plate. But like when I'm there, I'm present and I'm there for the pitcher. I'm prepared. I know I've done my homework and I know that my pitcher. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna do my best to put them in a position to succeed. And um, so for me, that's what it is. It's understanding how to call a game. Understanding what your pitchers are. You got to get to know your pitchers. Um, but game calling and leadership are the number number one things that you could do as a catcher. And then the X's and O's, those take care of themselves. You have to work. That, As we talk about all the time, yeah. Trevor, like physical work is never something you should brag about. I, I don't need to post that I'm in the weight room. I don't need to Part post that I'm walking. Like, you should be doing those things. Yeah. There's 
No, it's learning the other things, learning the mental, the mental toughness, learning um, how to call a game, learning what pitchers are trying to do to get you out. Those are the things that we need to put the extra work in. To me, weight room, hitting, fielding, those aren't extra work. That's our work. Yes. That we should be doing. And so to me, like work ethic comes from the little things, not from the, the things that the boxes we should be checking every day. Anyway, that's my, that's my own little uh, tangent, but um, <laughs> no, you know, I, I went and talked to my high school. So any Crespi kids out there that are watching this, you know, I said this, I said, this was earlier this year. I said, all those things you guys are thinking about as extra work, that's not extra work. That's the work. Like if you want to do anything, if you want to play at the next level, you got to put the work in. It's not just go to practice and go to the game. That's not going to get it done. It's, it's extra, for an infielder, extra ground balls, take as many as you can. You don't have to be in the cage a ton, but get your butt in the cage a little bit extra. Like go work on these things and don't consider it extra work. It is just the work. I, I, you're right, and I think... We take 100 swings a day for four in the game. We take 100 ground balls a day for five or six in the game. Maybe. Maybe. I, I work on blocking every day for the five or six balls I need to block. I throw down in between innings nine times in case two guys steal. Like I, all of, Everything we do is for that one rep. Yes. The one, one rep. So, anyway, I know we got a little bit off subject, but that's – for me, catching is you got to be selfless. You it is not about you. And yeah. it, it's just like, you know, I, I someone tell me one time when, the, when you're a catcher, when you do something well, it's we. When you do something wrong, it's I. And, and that is 100% truth because as a catcher, you're only as good as your pitcher that night. And yeah. you should be hurting right along with them if they have a bad outing. You're the best. Let's let's get into this. I'm going to let you taste yourself real quick before we go into what we're going to show. So you said you double switched in in like the fifth. I see now that you're already two for two. This is your first game as a San Francisco Giant. Correct. Yes. So this is May of 2019. I missed all of 2018 with a shoulder injury. Um, so this was my first game back playing in the big league since the last game of the season in 2017. So this has been a year and a half. Wondering if I'd ever make it back. Um, I got called up from spent uh, April of 2019 in AAA and um, got called up May 1st. And this was my first game back. I double switched in. We were down 8 nothing in the fifth. And um, yeah, I hit a double, I think a double in the sixth. I singled in the eighth. And then uh, coming up here in the ninth with two outs and nobody on facing Rysel Iglesias, who's absolutely punched my ticket my whole career. <laughs> and so I like, I'm not waiting around. I'm not letting him get to the changeup or slider. I'm hacking. And, uh, Unlike our last at bat, yes. you're going in hacking here. Let's I've, seen, I've seen this guy before. I know true. what he has, and I have not had much, if any, success off of him. So here, if he's going to give me a fastball, I know it's a four-seamer. I'm, I'm not waiting around. This is going to be a quick one, folks. And boom. And, oh, but man, but just the emotions of coming back, um, right, one more. you know, yeah, I, I could watch this all day. Um, but I just, I love the body language in this whole thing. You know, if you look at Barnhart, you look at Iglesias, like it, you know, it, it's just the body language says it all. Like 
We have so many emotions. Look at that. Just <laughs> I mean, what a beautiful spot right there. Like, and you are feeling I'm, it. Oh, I'm on cloud nine. Tucker's back there, oh. not having a good time. No, because he's pro he's probably played the whole game. He's seen that he squandered yeah. an eight run. <laughs> They're like, oh man, okay. I know this has not been a good game, but we're one out away. We've got this thing. Here we go. And then, oh man. He's also thinking we got extras now. I got to catch yeah. more. Yeah. No, we never think like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we get this little taste yourself video. So you tied yeah. the game up. Had obviously an amazing game already, but mm -hmm. we're we're going from the catcher's perspective now. So I got to take us to the end of the game. But I'll let you. Yeah, I I don't mind watching that. But I mean, just the while you're while you're getting to the next clip like that that game was so special. I grew up a Giants fan. Um, I had come back at 34 years old from a my second shoulder surgery and just to come back and we have this comeback victory like this and to contribute to it and my whole family had flown in you know my wife three kids they were all there That's right awesome. there and it was it was so awesome it was just i'm smiling special. man I don't know if you see me i'm yeah. just like i love it all right all right set this sure. up a little bit for us 12 11 you guys took the lead this is now the bottom of the 11th we got will smith on the mound who i faced as a starter in kansas city nasty stuff but one of those guys that went to the bullpen really found his calling you're behind the dish here what do you got yeah well so obviously longo longoria hit a go-ahead homer in the top of the 11th and Geeter. and it was just one of those things that you're like all right now we got in my opinion one of the top four or five closers, if not higher than that, in the game right now, Will Smith. and He's got shutdown stuff. So I had caught him maybe once during spring training, and I haven't been up for a month. So I remember what he has, and I remember what he likes to do. But, um, you know, he came out and got two quick outs on, as I see here, seven pitches. And now you got probably the biggest threat right-handed that the Reds have to hit a homer in, in Eugenio Suarez. And um, – but Will's, Will's game is, you know, fastballs to the arm side and then sliders back foot. And when he's on, it doesn't matter how good of a hitter you are. His slider, even catching sometimes, looks like a fastball. And, um, you know, that's the thing is anytime you throw a good back foot slider, as you know, Trev, it looks like a fastball. That's yeah. the whole reason we chase it. Um, but he's so good at painting that fastball arm side that – you can't tell what he's going to do. And every slider he throws looks like a fastball. So, um, you know, you obviously small, small ballpark in Cincinnati. You don't want to, you want to make sure you keep everything down here because anything that people can elevate is going to probably leave the yard, especially with somebody with uh, Suarez's power. So, yeah, we talked last about, about flipping off speed up there produces fly balls. We know that since he is a park that if you hit a fly ball and it has a chance to go out, yeah. So with a guy like Will Smith, who is, has an incredible fastball, that doesn't, I'm sure, I don't know the numbers, I'm sure the home run percentage on it is, or the fly ball percentage even, is pretty low. Yeah. Like he's a ground ball guy, strikeout guy. So are, are you just like, dude, throw the one down and let's rock? Or like? Um, well, for me, we got to get to the slider. So to me, it's in a ballpark like Cincy, I'm not a fan of like a get me over breaking ball like you're talking about. So to me, it's two choices. If he's a, you know, if he's going to be super aggressive here, let's go first pitch slider. We'll get him to chase it down, um, or let's go fastball down and away. And so those are the two. Those are the two options that you go with. There's no, in my opinion, there's no flipping an OO breaking ball. Um, 
But, you know, then again, Will Smith has different stuff. And sure. he might – he probably knows something that I don't if that's something he wants to do in that situation. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm suggesting either slider, back foot, or fastball away. Yeah, like you said, Suarez is a threat. Yes. To say and he can least. Leave, and he can leave anywhere in the ballpark. He, it's not pull only. I mean, he's got elite power, you know, like 50 homers last yeah. year. So Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, All right, let's, let, let's go here. I want to see where you set up. Yeah. First pitch, see, see what we got. I believe down we're going to fast. Yeah, I mean, look away. at where you're set up right there. You are just down in that lower quadrant. Yeah. Open. Are you saying this is your target? Start it here. Let it get out. Leak down um, out of so, the zone. So for me, I uh, every pitcher is different with where they aim. So where I'm putting my glove is where I want the ball. So it's up to them to start it wherever they. You know, I know some guys look at the right knee there. Some guys would look at if they throw a little sinker, they might look at my left shoulder. They might be looking at you know the heel of the glove, all that. I want to make sure that I'm putting my glove with my target right where I want the ball. And, it's pretty crazy how often, like when I look at these highlights, because obviously we don't have the box there, but I love when I see, oh, my glove's actually on the bottom. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're like, yeah. you're, like, you are, I, you're set up exactly where you want to be set up. Exactly. And so I, I like to look at that and be like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, because I, I, I'm a geek. So right. <laughs> you're not a geek. A little bit, a little bit. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's see if you can hit this spot. So right. there, I mean, obviously. Get away with a little bit, so that tells me that tells me he was looking breaking ball, or he wasn't really. He might have been taken all the way. Um, I don't think he's taken all the way, but he's definitely not looking for a fastball up, up and out over, because um, that's in my opinion a little bit of a mistake up in the zone. That's a pitch that Suarez could get extended on, um, but obviously get away with it. That's half the battle in baseball. Is, um, you know, yeah. still a very good pitch, but not where we wanted it. I'm thinking as a hitter here, you know, he knows what Will does with his ball. That's not the zone you're looking in. No, no, you're not looking up. I mean, you'd like it if you could, if you said, okay, I'll, I'm going to cheat to this zone. He's going to throw it here. But he doesn't throw the ball up there that often. So you're really not looking there. I think that might have caught him by surprise. For sure. Because he's a little late, too. If you watch the way, um, you watch him when he's coming, watch his body language. I, I, I don't feel like his foot is down in time to hit this heater where it's up in the zone like this. Um, I could be wrong, but to me, that's a little bit, maybe a tick late. Um, yeah. and maybe I'm just nitpicking and overreading it, which is also what we do as catchers. So, okay. so now here you go. You're looking back to see where you set up here. So now we're going, now, now we're going, going back, back foot slider here. Um, and I think to me, once you get ahead, Oh one, now it's all right. You had your shot at the fastball. Now you're going to get a steady dose of, uh, Will Smith sliders. So, again, here you are set up right outside the K zone. I don't know how accurate that is, but you are putting the glove exactly where you want that ball, just off the plate inside because you want a swing and miss yes. or you want him to expand the zone out of the strike zone a little bit. I, so you, you want to present want, it, right, as a strike? I want to present it as a strike, but I also want my pitcher to see where I set up. This is where you're going to hit it. You're going to miss here. You're not going to miss over the plate. If I set up on the plate here and then he misses a little bit arm side, that ball's right in, right in the money hole for, for Suarez. So I got to give him a good tunnel to where he feels like even if he misses it a little bit arm side, it's still going to end up on the corner. When we're in an 0-1 count, we want to expand the zone a little bit with it. When, on a, on a, the slider that he throws, 
Is that his tendency to miss arm side with it? Him, no. But obviously every pitcher, I want to make sure that when we're setting up, I give them the idea that we're not going to miss over the white part of the plate. Sure. So, so much of pitching is knowing where they can miss and where they want their miss to be. And so for me, that's, I try to give them that with the target. Okay. Here we go. And that's just filthy. That is filthy because it comes out like a heater. Yes, he that looks exactly. It looks exactly like the heater that he just threw, kind of up and away, and then it just dive bombs below the zone. And it's, I mean, that's just. That's Let's see not if fair. I can get it out of the hands and then where it ends up. I'm gonna yeah. try. Okay, so to me, now that's maybe that's already starting to break a little bit, yeah. but. If you look at that trajectory, that's going straight to that outside corner. Mm -hmm. And then as it goes, he, you know, he's firing like he's the, he sees fastball out there. And then all of a sudden it's gone below the zone. And That moves you know, so much. Yeah. And so now after you read that swing, obviously you see how much he missed that slider by. Um, and that wasn't even one of Will's best ones. Like that's, no. that's a very good slider, but it's – it's kind of a mislocation in a way because it's over the middle. We wanted it down and in. Mm -hmm. So now we've set up perfectly. Will's going to make the adjustment. I gave, probably gave him a little extra tap towards the inside corner. I'm going to give him a little more room in there than I did the time before. But now I'm up. I'm ready to block because it's two strikes. So if it's in the dirt, now I need to be ready to block. Pitch before I didn't. And now I know he's going to throw that nasty one. And it's right here. You call this pitch, you're like, it's game over. Like, you know yeah. – in your mind, like Will's Will's so good, at, at, and he missed that one before a little bit, so he's so going to make his. He's going to make his correction. Yep, he's going to make his correction, and now this is the patented Will Smith slider that has broken so many hearts. <laughs> I love that you say that. Like I call this pitch, I know it's game over after yeah. those two pitches. Take the fastball, swing like that at the slider. Not even a best one. Not even an A slider. But you know that Will's going to not throw two of those back-to-back. -back. He's going to throw yeah. an A slider here. Yeah. And this this one, I remember this one. It's, yeah. Right. This is a fastball down and, down and in until it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. And oh, what a signature win for the Giants. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, it's, it's so much fun to watch. I, I love when we do – like doing this to hitters is so much fun unless I'm the one hitting and it's, but these guys are, these pitchers are just so good. And the fact that, you know, the game's over it's, um, and then he, he gave me the ball right after that. That's and cool. just, but he was a Tommy John guy and his words were, he goes, Hey man, this ball's for you. Welcome back. I know what it takes to come back. Glad to have you here. Excited to see, you know, I just, man, my teammates were so awesome. I mean, they, I, I love my teammates. You know that you're one of them. And these guys treated me, they, you know, Eric Kratz was on the team at the time and he spent the year before in Milwaukee, he saw me rehabbing and he gave this huge speech to the whole clubhouse after this game about me. And I get, I just, I just started tearing up, man. Cause just the love that we have for each other goes beyond the game. It goes beyond competing together. And there's just such this level of respect of the brotherhood. And um, it's, 
it's crazy, I man. Love it. I, I don't want to go too far into this, but in the climate they were in with baseball negotiating right now, a lot of people look past the personal stuff. They see mm-hmm. ball players. They say, you guys are making a ton of money to play a kid's game. What they don't see is the struggle, man. Like it took a lot for you to get to this position. You spent a lot of time in the minor leagues grinding it out. You put the work in. Nothing was given to you. Not one thing. Yeah. This is the stuff that I love. Here in Kratz, you do that for you after the game. That's incredible, man. Yeah. That's, I think for me, um, where we are right now with our game, is it, to me, it's just sad. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not going to get into what's going on a whole lot, but I'm sad. I, we we want to be playing. And unfortunately, there's some other things going on right now that just are out of our control. And... You know, this is this is something that I've fought my whole life to get here and I've worked and I've put in those extra work. I've put in that other stuff and now I'm at home and I'm waiting and I'm still putting in, still putting yeah, the extra work. You should Long- not be at home. You, I mean, you need to you're a baseball guy. Yes. I I'm not good. I'm not good unless I'm well, I'm good, but I, I'm not good. Unless <laughs> I, I love who I am when I get to do what I love most. And I think that's most humans. When we get to do what we love most, we're better people. Yes. And, uh, you know, that being said, I've enjoyed the time at home with the family. This has been so incredible to get this little uh, chance to watch my kids grow up every day without traveling. And um, oh, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to go. My wife's arm is killing her. She needs to stop playing long time. <laughs> um, we, we, need to, we need to get this ball rolling. We, we will. I know we're going to be playing ball this year. We can't wait to see you. Um, I just appreciate you giving the time, dude. Yeah, no, Trevor, this was awesome. It was good catching up with you and a lot of fun. All right, thanks, Steve.